I thank you if you're a guest for being here this morning. I apologize in the sense that the screens are broken, but I don't apologize in what God's doing here, and I, I thank you for being a part of our service and uh, for being here. If you uh, have been with us for the last few weeks, we started a series called The Fight, and in that we're talking through Ephesians chapter 6, and we've been going through um, a number of, uh, of all of, we're going to go through all of the different uh, armors of God that he has given to us and so what we have done so far the very first week we started was four weeks ago and we hit on the fight and in an introduction message I gave was basically that we are in a fight and I reminded us as a church that and you as a Christian that we are in the midst of a fight regardless of how you want to look at it and I know we don't often see these things and I mentioned all of that through that that week, but when we walk out of our door, we don't see bombs and grenades, we're, but, but we are in a fight. We are in a spiritual fight, and we're in a spiritual battle. And so we talked about that in the very first week. From there, in the second week, we went right into the truth, and as you just basically followed um, the passage here, we went into truth and talked about what truth was and how truth has been distorted in our country and all across the world, really, but especially within the country that we live and how we've taken out um, so many things that are basic and foundational to who our country was and how it was founded, and that's creeped itself within inside of our church walls. Then last week we talked about righteousness, and we talked about um, putting on the breastplate of righteousness and being able to walk and do the right thing and trust in God. And today we're going to talk about peace. We're talking about it, it mentions in verse number 15, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And so this week we're going to talk about the, the feet, and, and really we're dealing with peace this week and how it, how it all ties in with the gospel. And so as we get into that, the, the introduction this morning is really actually very short. I don't have a long introduction this morning. But as I looked at this passage of scripture and I looked at, at verse 15, it talks about preparation. It talks about, right prior to that, it talked about standing firm and, and being able to stand and so we're going to talk about that a little bit. But as we look at the shoes, and, and if you were to go into, into start studying and looking through, basically they, I know we often talk about, they, they mention it as sandals and different things, but they used a, what they would consider a boot. And then on the bottom of that boot, they would put nails and, and sharp, long objects. I was, somebody told me I should have worn my baseball cleats tonight, or this morning, but uh, but basically, they were similar to like a cleat. They were just a long nails they would put, they would wear so that they would get the traction that they needed as they were walking, and, and they could stand firm wherever they went in the battle that they were facing. And so just like anybody, and just like the armies and the, 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 the men and women who fight for, for our country and countries all across the world, those men and women go through preparation. And it talks about being prepared for the battle. And the very first thing in your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And so as we look at this and we talk about this preparation and we, in, in the introduction, the boots that must be ready and everything else that goes with it, they have to be prepared. We have to be ready. And the biggest part of my introduction I want to talk to you about is, is standing firm. They would put those nails in the bottom of their shoes and they would, and, and, and they would use them for their traction. They would use them for their, their being willing or being able to stand firm. 
And as we go through this morning's message, I'm going to talk a number of different things, but could I ask you this before we even get into it? Are you standing firm? Am I standing firm? Am I solid in my beliefs? Am I solid in who I am as a Christian? In 1 Corinthians, I'm going to flip through a number of different passages, and you don't have to go with me right yet, but in 1 Corinthians 16, 13, it says, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. It's telling us to stand fast in the faith, and quit ye like men is basically, it says this, is be brave. Listen, be brave. And stand firm. Be brave and stand strong. In 1 Peter 5, in verse number 8, it talks about, or 8 and 9, it mentions, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Whom resisteth, it says, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Listen. We need to stand firm. We need to be steadfast in our faith. We need to be doing all these things. And I don't know about you, but I know in my life, there's a couple different areas in my life when I am, I am, I know what I'm talking about. Any of you like that? I know what I'm talking about. This is my area. I know it. Do you know what? In those areas in your life, there's not much waver. If I were to go to you in your particular job and I were to walk in and I were to start questioning you on the things that you were doing on a daily basis and say, ah, you shouldn't do it this way, you should do it this way, ah, you should try it this way, you would look at me and you would do what? You're nuts. This is my job. I've been doing it for a long time. I know what I'm doing. And you wouldn't waver and go, oh, maybe you're right and start doing it a different way. There's certain areas and avenues and aspects of our lives that we are solid and we're not moving. God's word tells us that we should be that same in our Christian life. That I am to stand firm. I am to stand my ground. I am to be steadfast. I am to be unmovable. But you know why we aren't? Because unlike our profession, we may not know God's word the way that We feel we should. And somebody may come to our door and knock on our door and ask us some questions and we go, I'm not sure about that. You may begin to tell somebody about Jesus Christ and they come back at you with something and you get scared and so you don't share the gospel any longer. We're not stand, we don't stand firm because we don't know what we are to know. And we don't have that Knowledge. We don't have that complete understanding of what it is that we should have. And so oftentimes we become unwavering, and it's within our churches. It's within our churches, therefore it's within our communities, which affects our country, which affects everything that we do. There's things that are all over the news today that oftentimes just blow my mind, and I... We don't even bat an eye sometimes. The president stood just this week and made mention of how he was going to stand with this whole Roe versus Wade and all of the abortion stuff, and he's going to stand on that, and they need to give money to Planned Parenthood, and we need to do all these things, but yet over 300,000 people, little babies, 
have lost their lives this year due to Planned Parenthood and abortions. And we stand back and we go, well, they have their right. No, they have their right because we weren't standing strong and we weren't steadfast and we allowed those things to take place. And over the course of time, we go, well, I don't want to offend anybody. Do you realize within our culture, political correctness rules? We watched a movie last night, Mindy and I did, what was it called? Parental Guidance. I don't know if anybody's seen it, but it's kind of comical in the sense of this whole family is based on, like, political correctness. And who's in that movie? What's that guy's name? Billy Crystal. If you can't tell, I do not watch movies and I don't know anybody. Billy Crystal is kind of the main kind of guy. But he walks into this, he's the, the father of this lady. And he walks in and at one point he goes to a baseball game. And his, the grandson is pitching Strike one, strike two, strike three. And Billy Crystal was a baseball announcer, so he's going through the whole thing up in the stands, and he's, you're up! And the guy's pitching again to the same guy that's up to bat. And he stands up, and he goes, wait a second, that was three strikes, he's out! And everybody kind of looks at him and goes, well, we don't have outs in this league. Well, what's the point of playing baseball if there's no outs? And the umpire comes over to the fence. He goes, sir, that's just what we do. Well, who wins? There is no winner. We all tie. Is that not our community? Our kids go to play rec ball, and you can't have a winner or a loser because it might hurt someone's feelings. Listen, life is about winners and losers. I'm going to lose in life. There's going to be a time where I'm going to lose. Do you know I learned more about life in sports than I think I ever did in just about anything. But we are, in our culture, it's political correctness. And, and we as a Christian, we don't stand firm and we don't do those things, but it's, it's crept in within our churches. To where the pastor, it used to be the pastor was supposed to step on toes and was supposed to do those things. Nowadays, it's, Let's see how large we can get our churches by the pastor giving a little bit of God's word and not stepping on anybody's toes because we don't want to offend you. If you're one of those people and you're not liking to be offended by the pastor, you're probably at the wrong place. And I apologize, but I really don't. That's God's word. You're going to be offended probably today because of what God's word says or because I'm going to say something I probably shouldn't say. But we've allowed all these things to creep in And that's who our churches have become. And we have all of this within our society because Christians aren't prepared to stand strong on God's word and to what he has called us as Christians to do. It is my job as a Christian, not as a pastor, as a Christian, to know by Bible. It is my job as a Christian to go out from these walls and share the gospel of Jesus Christ with other people. It is my job as a Christian to live what God's word has called us to live. And that's not easy. 
But that's what we as a Christian are called to do. And so this morning, you're going, what in the world does this have to do with peace? Well, when we look at this passage of Scripture and the feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, there's preparations and there's things that need to take place so that we can stand firm. And this morning, the message is going to be really based and driven on our remembrance of what it was like without that peace in our lives. And so the first point is this, as we look into to this passage of Scripture, the first point is this, peace with God. We learned last week of our lack of righteousness. We, we went into a number of different Scriptures, and we'll do so this morning, but Isaiah spoke of, of our righteousness being as filthy rags. Romans speaks of, of it being his righteousness and the shedding of his blood that saves our, our sins and gives us righteousness. And I know that's contradictory to everything within our society is that I'm good enough and I do this many good things and I give to this charity and I do these things. But it really has nothing to do with what you do or what you give. It doesn't have anything to do with how many times you come to this church. You could be a member here. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, it doesn't do what it's supposed to do. So as we begin the t- talking this morning about peace, and as we start looking at this, the initial peace with God is something that I hope you've never forgotten. So I'm going to ask you this, to go back to a moment in your life where you didn't have a peace with God. Think about the day prior to you accepting Jesus Christ. And think about that day. Maybe you were a kid, and you are just like me, and you grew up in church, and maybe you don't have a, a great sin past. But think about the day that you accepted Jesus Christ. Think about the peace that came upon you. Think about what God did for you. And we're going to flip through a number of different passages this morning. But in Colossians chapter 1, in Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 13, it says this, Colossians 1, 13, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son? Colossians 1.13, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. We've talked about Ephesians chapter 2, we're not going to be there, but in Ephesians chapter 2, a number of different things it mentions being dead in our trespasses. It talks about walking according to this world. It talks about walking according to the prince of the power of the air. It talks about us being in the lust of the flesh and the lust of the mind, being children of wrath. Prior to accepting Jesus Christ as our Savior, that's who we were. And if you flip, to me, flip with me to a number of passages, we're going to go to Psalms for a few verses here. In Psalms chapter 14. Psalms 14. And verse number 3 is where we'll start this morning. But Psalms 14 and verse number 3, it says this. They are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. If you go with me to Psalm 58, number of pages over. Psalms 
Psalm 58 and verse number 3, the wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born, speaking lies. We came out that way. I never had to teach my kids to do wrong. My parents didn't have to teach me to do wrong. It was natural. I came out that way. Go over a couple books to Isaiah. 64 and verse 6, we read this last week. 64 and verse 6. But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. We're unclean. Our righteousness is as a filthy rag. We fade as a leaf. If you go with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 8. This is talking about the carnal mind and different things, but it says, So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. In our flesh we cannot please God. Outside of Christ we cannot please God. We'll keep on going. Titus chapter 1. It's after Timothy. Or, yeah, it's after Timothy. So Titus in verse, or chapter 1 and verse number 15. Unto the pure... All things are pure. But unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure. But even their mind and conscience is defiled. Like why are we talking about this? We're talking about the peace with God. We're talking about the the preparation of the gospel of peace. I believe with all of my heart. And maybe I'm wrong. But I believe this wholeheartedly. Many, 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 many times, many people in this room, myself included, I do not share the gospel because I forgot who I was. I forgot that all of these things are who I really am. We are unrighteous individuals. We are people who have no, de- no desire outside of God to even go to God. I came out of the womb A sinner. I came out of the womb lying. And so many times as we talk about the peace with God, I look at all of this stuff and this is not something that I remember. Therefore, I forget that there's people out there that live just like that with no hope of eternity. They live hopeless lives. Look at our society. Look all around us. We live hopeless lives. People pay thousands of thousands of thousands of dollars to get on an airplane and come to Sin City because what happens in in Vegas stays in Vegas. And they come and they indulge in the life. Why? Because they have no hope of what's coming next. The only hope that people have in this society is what? What I can do for me today. What pleasures that I can give myself. There's There's no hope outside of that. And so many times we forget, we forgot that we were that person. And like myself, I was saved as a child. I forget that that's who I should be outside of the fact that I had parents that took me to church on a regular basis. 
And so many times I forget that is who Aaron Flanagan is. I am a man that was dead in trespasses, walked according to this world, walked according to the prince of the power of the air, that lives of the lust of the flesh and the lust of the mind, and I was a child of wrath prior to coming to Jesus Christ as my Savior, though it was as a child. That's who I was. But here's what's awesome. Though we, we understand that, and that's not the whole point, I just want us to remember who we were. If we go back to Isaiah, chapter number 9, Isaiah chapter number 9, this is some of the exciting stuff, it's, it's going to get better. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse number 6 tells me this. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and what's that say? The Prince of Peace. We sing this at Christmas time. We sing the songs. But my God, it says, is wonderful. He's a counselor. He's the mighty God, the everlasting Father, and He is the Prince of Peace. You know what's awesome is right there was in Isaiah, thousands of years before, years before Jesus Christ came to this earth. But for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. He was given that He would come to this earth and bridge the gap between sinful man and perfect and pure and righteous God. God the Father sent His Son, His only begotten Son, to bridge the gap between sinful man, you and me, and perfect and pure and righteous and holy God. That I can be made righteous. That I can bow my head and pray to an almighty God, that I can sing a song about amazing grace, that I can have peace in my life because he is the prince of peace, that I can do all those things. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, if you'd go with me if you want to, but 2 Corinthians chapter 2, if nothing else, I pray that you write these things down. 2 Corinthians 2 and verse 5, it says, but if any have caused grief, he hath not grieved me, but in part, in part that I may not overcharge you all. And I wrote down the wrong passage. Let me make sure. Ah! See, and I've been going through every one of these each morning. And I did not this morning because I was running around. That's not what I wanted to read. And I apologize. It's frustrating. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. Romans 3, 23. If nothing else, go to one that everybody knows and we'll be good. Romans 3, 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say, at this time, 
his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. For the wages of, or for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Listen, he came because my sins bring me short, to God, short of God's glory. He came to be a justifier. In 1 Timothy 2, it says he became to be our mediator. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, in verse number 5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. For there is one God, one mediator between God and man. He is the mediator that we need to reach out to an almighty God. Because in and of ourselves, we can't do that. In 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 1, My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Listen, as we were born, we came into this world sinners. We came into this world lost. But we see that we have a mediator between us and God. We have an advocate between us and God. When I look and I think about an advocate, I think of, I have people on this earth that will fight for me. I would venture to say most of you could raise your hand and say, you know what? My, my spouse maybe a parent, they would go to bat for me. They would be an advocate for me in a time when I needed them to be an advocate for me. I also live in, in a society where divorce is more than 50% of marriages. And that's not outside of the church, that's inside the church. It's actually a higher percentage of divorce inside the church than outside the church. But with that being said, I say this. I may think my wife is an advocate for me, but I guarantee there, could, there is something that I could do that she would say, you know what? I can no longer be in this relationship. Guarantee it. There is nothing that I can do where God would say, I don't even know you anymore. He's a mediator. He's an advocate for me, a sinful individual. He reaches down and he gives me peace. He gives me comfort. He gives me love. He gives me joy. He gives me the things that I can't have on my own. He gives me something that my wife will never be able to give me. And he gives me something that you as a body of believers, though I love you, and there's people in here that that have done amazing things and encouragement to me, but you can't fill. He gives me all of those things. There is something about having a peace with an almighty God. There is something about understanding and remembering the past that I was and remembering and knowing who God has made me. Do you remember? Can I just ask, I, I want you just to think. Do you remember the time of peace in your life? When Jesus Christ came in and made you whole. When he took those sins and washed them white as snow. Do you remember a peace like that? No peace exists like the peace God gives when our relationship with him is restored. Or when our relationship, maybe for some of you that don't know Jesus Christ as your savior in this room this morning. When that relationship is brought and made new. Philippians 4 and verse number 7 
Philippians 4 and verse number 7 says this, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Some of you in this room have experienced things in your life that you can't comprehend. Illness within the family, death within the family, circumstances and trials and tribulations and things that you have gone through outside of God, there is no peace and there is no comfort. And you could stand as a testimony today to say that God's peace is unexplainable. God's peace is uncomprehendable. We can't comprehend and we don't understand. And in the midst of our time and we are completely scatterbrained, God gives us a peace. God gives us a comfort that nothing else and no one else can give us. The second point this morning is peace with others. Peace with others. As we look at peace and as we start, as we continue in on this and we, we're in this thought, peace with others. I believe this is one of the hardest. I also believe this is one of the most rewarding. It's difficult to have peace with others. Because some of you are weird. No, but we're all individuals with different personalities. I am not going to get along perfectly with everybody in this room. If you look around, there's a whole lot of different personalities in this room. Some of you, you're just different. Some of you would look at me and you'd go, you're different. Some of you, I make sports analogies, and you look at me and you go, I have no idea what you're talking about. It was a couple months ago I made mention of the Final Four in basketball, college basketball. Some of you looked at me like I just talked a foreign language and you were clueless. Others of you, you die for college basketball. Some of you would start talking computer stuff and I would go, huh? You've lost me. Just like if I talk sports or if I'm talking music, or if I'm talking certain things. We don't all get along the way that we'd like to get along because we're different personalities. We like different things. Some of us in here, we click right away. We shake hands, we say hello, and it's like, boom, that's like my best buddy. Others of you, it's like, have you ever just tried to have a conversation with somebody and you're like, I have no idea how to take that conversation. Where do I go? Every question you ask them, yeah, no, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. You're like, no, expound on your answer. Give me something. I'm trying everything, and I'm, I'm reaching. I forget, it wasn't too long ago, I was in the car with somebody, and I, I am, I, I am dying, asking them, what do you like, what do you not like, what brought you here, what this, what that, and they're, yep, that, yep, like one-word answers. Great. Then there's other people, you could say one word, and then you can sit back, and an hour later, you had said one word. Some of you, you would argue with the wall, just for the sake of arguing with the wall. 
If I said the wall was orange, you would fight with me and say, no, it's like a burnt orange. No, it's a this orange. It's a that orange. No, really, it's just an orange wall. No, it's not. And you would question everything. We're all different personalities. So it's very, very difficult, very hard to have peace with others, yet at the same time, it is one of the most rewarding things ever. Think about your relationships in life. Think about the best relationships that you have. Think about ones that they're fine relationships, there's really nothing wrong with them. They're okay, it's just not your best buddy. Think of relationships that you no longer have. I was going through this this week. And I can go through on my great, on my best buddies, my, my friends that I would die for. I can think of the things that we have in common. Christianity, ministry, most of them have some form of sports related. Because I don't want to just call one of you and be like, hey, did you watch the game? And you're like, there's a game? I didn't even know there was such thing, you know, other than like shoot them games on the video. But I can go through and I can think of those things. I can think of the best relationships that I have and I can pretty much go, well, this is why, this is why, this is why, this is why. There's communication, we hang out, there's, there's things that we're in common. Then I can go to the ones that are okay. The reality is most of the people in this room are gonna have okay relationships with each other. There's really nothing wrong with each other it's just you don't, you're not best buddies. There's something that's there. Whether it's your, something's not in common, you like Michigan, um, I don't know what it would be. But whatever it is, there's something that's not there. That was for you. But uh, there's something that's just not there. Then you can look at the relationships that you no longer have. Do you know as I stopped this week and I started to evaluate some of the relationships that I no longer have? When I really dug deep and started thinking about them, the situation was so minute and small that you would go, I have that problem with my best friend on a regular basis. But there was something that broke that relationship. And you no longer even talk to that person. Oftentimes, the people that we no longer talk to and we no longer hang out with and we know it really, the thing that broke it, it wasn't that big. Now, yeah, there's some that, okay, we're, we're cutting ties. But quite often, those relationships are so small or the things are so little. I've stopped and even thinking, do you know when that happens the most is inside of the church? If you stop and look at church splits, and you stop and look at this church and that church and that church and that church, well, I can't talk to you because you have this. I can't talk to you because you do this. I can't talk to you because you do this. Why? It's so difficult for some reason that we can't get this whole thing together. And inside of the church, inside of Christianity, We love to have somebody mess up and then stomp them into the ground and keep on walking like they never were there. I don't know about you, but I've yet to find that in 
God's word, that that's how we handle people. But here's what it is. Here's what it is. Satan wants nothing more, one, to destroy our lives. But he wants to break relationships. How did Satan start? Adam and Eve were in the garden, living perfect, peaceful lives, communing with God on a regular basis. And what did he do? He broke relationships. He started with Eve and God. He threw a little doubt in there. Well, God really didn't mean that. You really won't die. Actually, he's just nervous that if you do this, then you'll be better than him. And you'll become like God's. Because relationships show a whole lot about who we are. Who we are as an individual, who we are as a church. Look at a marriage. Look at a solid Christian marriage. It reflects and deflects who Christ is. A solid Christian home shows the world who Christ is within the relationships. Husband and wife, love, sacrifice, and over and over and over again. Think of our children. If the marriage is right and we love our children, we show our children unconditional love, we show our children sacrifice, we show our children so many things, all of which Christ is. Relationships show so much about who we are. Relationships represent a lot of things, one of which is us. How you deal with people says a lot about who you are as a person. Well, I don't have no friends because no one wants to talk to me. Well, it says a lot about who you are. Right? He who wants friends should show himself friendly, I think. Well, I don't like that church because nobody did the da-da-da-da-da. I'm not talking perfection. I'm talking relationships say a lot about who we are as a person, as a church, And when it comes to peace, it says an awful lot. Because relationships matter. We teach our kids relationships. We're taught relationships as we're born, from the time we're little. Honor thy father and thy mother. We teach our kids to do that. Why? Because that's building a relationship. I teach my kids relationships with each other. We teach that. We, We should emulate that. Look in throughout Scripture. Friendships are all throughout Scripture. Look at Jonathan. Look at David. Look at a number of different things throughout Scripture. Relationships matter. Relationships matter. Because they show who Christ is. In John chapter 17. In John chapter 17. In verse number 20 through 23, it says this. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. That they all may be one as thou, as thou, Father, art in me 
and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me, and the glory which thou gavest me I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Jesus is teaching here. Jesus is actually praying here to his Father. But the goal is that we are one as he is one with his Father. That's hard to do. But it means something that God would want, he would desire unity amongst this body. What does it show the community when we fight over the color of the carpet? What does it show the community when the church breaks up and splits over things that really have no meaning? It says a whole lot about who we are as people. It says a whole lot. Why? Because God desires unity. Satan wants to divide it. Satan wants to break your marriage. Satan wants to break your friendships. Satan wants to break these things. Why? Because all of these things are what make me better. I am a better person because of people in my life. I am better because of my wife. I am better because of some of you that are friends of mine that have poured yourself into me. I am better because of relationships that I have in my life. I hope you would say the same. Relationships matter based on unity. Relationships, peace with others. Let's go to Matthew. Matthew chapter 5. In Matthew chapter 5, it says in verses 23 and 24, we see forgiveness. In verse 23, therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee, Leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother and then come and offer thy gift. If you go one chapter over, chapter 6, verse 14. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Forgiveness is tough. But if I'm reading scripture the way that I'm reading it, if I come down to the altar to pray to God and I have a problem or an ought against one of you and I take my gift and I'm coming to pour myself on the altar but yet I have a problem with you, I need to stop, go make that right, then come back. Forgiveness, it's hard, it hurts, it's pride, it's humility, it's everything all in there because I don't know, maybe you're better than me, but I don't like to say I'm wrong. I don't like to tell you, hey, I should not have done that, would you forgive me for doing that? I don't like it. You know what else I don't like? I don't like when you did something wrong to me and you come to ask for forgiveness because what do I want to do? I want to punch in your nose. You made me mad. So now my pride gets in the way because I know what I should do is say, yes, you know what, I forgive you. But I can't because now I'm too prideful. 
Has anybody ever came to you and truly sought forgiveness and you've given it to them? I'd venture to say in this room many of you have done this. I hope. I hope. Otherwise there's a whole heap of mess that I'm dealing with. But there's something special and sweet about that relationship post-forgiveness. Why? Because that's how it is created. God forgave me. There's something sweet about that relationship that I can have with God. Live your life this week. Go do whatever you want to do this week without asking for forgiveness. Tell me how fun it was. Then make right with God and then tell me how sweet that forgiveness is. There's something there with forgiveness and peace and and joy and comfort. It all comes together. Relationships matter. We like to not think that they matter. We like to brush them under the rug. Oh, well, forget them. I won't talk to them anymore. Relationships matter. Forgiveness matters. Peace with others matter. Unity matters. It matters because it shows the world that's out there who Christ is. Forgiveness shows who Christ is. Unity inside of this building shows who Christ is. Go ahead and go to lunch and tell your waiter or waitress how horrible your pastor is and everybody else at your church is. I bet you they'll want to get saved. I guarantee you they aren't going to want anything to do with wherever you go to church. Go to your friends at work and talk about all the Christians that you know and how dumb they are and how horrible of people that they are. Because I guarantee they're going to say, hey, I want to go to your church. It's awesome. No, why? Because they look at us and expect something different. Unity, forgiveness, peace with others matter. And last but not least, peace to share. Typically in this passage of Scripture, one of the things that you hear most is this is about putting on the shoes and go telling everybody about Christ. And yes, it's there. But here's how I put this together. I don't share if I don't remember who I was before Christ. And I definitely don't share if I don't care about you as a Christian and my relationship with Christians isn't right. Why am I going to tell somebody else about Christ and supposed to make that relationship right? Peace with God, peace with others allows me to go share. We should have a desire to see our neighbors come to the Lord. We should have a desire to see our family come to the Lord. We should have that desire. But if I don't even know, and I don't even remember, and I don't even stop to think about my relationship with others, and I don't stop to think about all of those things, then guess what? I'm not going to stop to tell somebody else about Christ, because it doesn't even mean enough to me, because there's no peace within it. We don't share because we've forgotten peace with God. We have forgotten the peace God gives us. We forget that we were once without peace. And you don't need to go to these passages of scripture, but Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We all have sin. Romans 5 6 through 8, for when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. 
For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Verse 6, for when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. God's grace gives us peace. God sending his son to bridge the gap, making a way to have a right standing with God gives me peace. Listen, church, in closing this morning, accepting Christ isn't just enough. It is our job to share It is our job to live peace in our lives. It is our job to do all those things. It is my job to make right my relationships. It is my responsibility to make right my relationships. We can't forget that we were once without that peace. We must live the truth. We must live righteous. We must live in peace with God. 2 Corinthians 4, verse number 3 and 4 says this, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. It says there, if the gospel be hid, it is hid. If I don't share, no one will hear. It is my job not to hide it. We could sing the little song, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it, whoops, shine. Hide it under a bush, oh no, we're not going to do that. We have fun with that and the kids, let's live that. Let's be that. Because it says there in 2 Corinthians 4, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them who are lost. Acts 26, verse number 18 to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and the inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. I must go and tell. The unsaved world has blinders on. The unsaved world, just like we did, Satan has blinded the eyes. Satan has blocked the mind, so to speak, to thinking about it. But it is my job to go It is my job to share, but oftentimes we don't do it because we don't remember that peace that God gave us. We don't have the peace with others, and so we decide that, ah, that's too tough. Maybe I'm not willing to stand firm because I don't know how. Maybe I'm not willing to stand firm because I'm I'm unsure, so I'm not going to tell somebody about Christ because I don't know, and if they come back at me, I'm not going to really know what to say. Isaiah 52, 7 says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publisheth salvation, that saith unto Zion, thy God reigneth. Man, my feet should go that would share that my God reigns. In Romans chapter 10, this is the last scripture this morning, but in Romans chapter 10 and verse number 15, it says this, and how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, and it quotes Isaiah 52, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. How shall they preach except they be sent? Listen, we accepted Jesus Christ, we've been sent. If you know Christ as your Savior, you've been sent.
And it says, how beautiful the feet that go and do it. To preach the gospel of peace. Listen, I know this morning a different service. Screens are out, sang a cappella, talking about peace. But can I ask you, church, do you remember the peace that God gave you? Do you remember the time, the moment, where you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior? And can I say this? We must put on the armor of God. This church has to get out and has to be willing to fight. This whole series is the fight. We're in a battle. Watch the news, you'll understand you're in the midst of a battle. God is suppressed in every area of your life. Through our media, through everything that's outside of these walls, God is suppressed. You can't say in Jesus' name. You can't say God. You can't say this. You can't do these things. Listen, it is my job as a Christian to put on the armor of God that we've talked about. To get the truth. Put the belt of truth on. Put the breastplate of righteousness on. Put those shoes on. And as we go, and we'll go through all of the different pieces of armor and all of the different things that we have, but we have to put it on, and we have to get ourselves into the fight. People all around us are dying and going to an all, a place that we know called hell, that is real, that is literal, and people are dying every day and going there while we sit back oftentimes and go, well, I just didn't know enough to say anything. I don't think that's going to be a really good excuse one day when we get to heaven. Well, God, I just didn't know enough, so I didn't really know what to say. Can I ask, can I challenge, can I beg? Dive into God's word. Love God. Live it in your life. You know what? You may not know God's word. Maybe you're a baby Christian Maybe you've been saved for a long time and you would just say, you know what, I've just never studied it. I've been in church. I know some stuff, but I just, I really don't know it. Then can I challenge you with this? Live it. Make a decision today that I'm going to live in the peace that God gives me. I'm going to have righteousness, not because I'm a good person, but because God, God sent his son to die to give you that righteousness. Make a point that I'm going to live with the truth of God's word. I'm going to live the righteousness. And I'm going to live in peace regardless. Church. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of cars will pass by this building. Every single day. And when they look at this building and when they see the sign Oasis. Do they see peace amongst those that attend? Do they just see a fight? Oh, there's always something going on there. They're always fighting with each other. They're always doing this. They're always doing that. Every time I run across somebody that goes to that oasis, all I hear is bad things. All I hear is this. 
Or is there a peace that passeth all understanding? That when they see Oasis Baptist Church, when you say something about Oasis Baptist Church, it brings them to a place of understanding there's an almighty God. And I'm not one to beg people to come to an altar. And I don't know that I'm necessarily doing that this morning. But I feel and I believe, maybe it's just me, is that Christians need to stand up and be Christians. We need to go outside of the walls of this church and live the life that God has called us to live. We need to go outside of these walls and we need to live that life because you've got a family member who's about to die and go to hell while you sit back and say, well, I don't want to offend somebody. We need to go out there and listen, you don't have to be offensive and be rude, but you can share God's love. Do they know it in you? Do they know it in me? When they come into your home, is it something different than it is an unsaved home? And it needs to be. My home should show Christ. My life should show Christ. Your life should show Christ. Your home should show Christ. Does it? And this morning, as I close, I don't know where you are in your desire to share Christ with other people. I don't know where you are with peace that God has given us. Maybe you're at a place where there is no peace outside of God and you need to hold firm on Philippians 4, the peace that passeth all understanding. But here's what I will say and I know this for fact. I need to live my life with boldness for the cause of Christ. This church needs to live our lives with boldness for the cause of Jesus Christ.